Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we'll work through the NFL Week 11 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets, but before we kick it off, I've got some exciting news. This show has its first sponsor. Props and Hops is now powered by Dimers.com, and Dimers.com provides news, tools, and analysis to help bettors make more informed decisions when it comes to their wagers. The Dimers.com team is also building a community to connect people interested in better understanding, enjoying, and excelling at betting. It's free to join, and if you like Props and Hops, I think you're going to like making Dimers.com a part of your sports betting media diet. Now let's get the ball rolling on Week 11 in the NFL and dive into what we're hearing. Loud noises! As always this week, I've listened to the most prominent handicappers on the best NFL betting podcasts, here to share insights from nine bettors on six podcasts spanning more than 10 hours worth of listening, and I'm going to distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways, plus some original analysis. Part of that original analysis this week is based on some Friday morning bombshells we got affecting the Eagles, Browns, and Falcons Saints games. Often this season, it's felt like I've had a good rundown Thursday night. Friday morning, when I'm just about to record, there's been some big news, games coming off the board, shaking things up, and that's been a theme of the season. It's messy, we've got to embrace it and learn to roll with the uncertainty. But some non-COVID news coming out of New Orleans this morning takes that to a whole new level this week. It also opens a betting opportunity. I've got four bets across the point spread, total, teaser, and prop markets that we're going to get to. It's a light card this week because three games are off the board as I record this Friday morning Pacific time. Lions-Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater unlikely to start, Matthew Stafford's status uncertain, Bengals-Washington, COVID concerns for both teams, and Chiefs-Raiders, another game with COVID concerns for both teams, a few players on the Kansas City offense, and almost the entire starting defense for the Raiders. We do still have 10 games on the board, though, so let's get to it. First up, Philadelphia at Cleveland. This game's off the board at some books after the news came in this morning that Miles Garrett has tested positive and he'll be out on Sunday. Where it is on the board, we're seeing Browns minus three with some reduced vig and a total of 47 and a half. We had three likes on the Eagles, TA from the Sharp Angles podcast, as well as RJ Bell and the Hitman on the Dream Preview. The Eagles were the Hitman's best bet. I will note, TA and the Hitman took plus three and a half for Philadelphia, so that's a significant half point off the current market price. We did have one like on Cleveland, that was Andy on the deep dive, and he said he liked the Browns before the Garrett news broke. Also, two likes on the over, Steve Fezzik and RJ on the Dream Preview. No Garrett, a plus for that bet. On the Eagles side of things, T.A. said he likes Philadelphia when they're on defense. They have a top 10 rush defense, and that limits Cleveland's strength with Nick Chubb back in action. And the Eagles are also number 6 in pressure rate. Baker Mayfield susceptible under pressure. We saw that when the Browns took on the Ravens and Steelers earlier this season. On the other side of the ball, T.A. notes the Eagles are getting some weapons back. They continue to get healthier. Fezzik touched on this point in his handicap for the over. And when it came to the Hitman's handicap on the Eagles, almost identical to the points that T.A. brought up. On the Brown side of things, we have Andy. He said the Eagles have a weak rush defense. They got gashed last week by the Giants, and the Browns' rush offense is going to be a step up in class. And on the other side of the ball, Carson Wentz is taking a lot of sacks, and fumblings become a problem again. Looking at the over, we had Fezzik and RJ liking that. Fezzik said the total is being suppressed because the Browns have been involved in some recent win games, and the wind not looking to be as much of a factor this Sunday. I will note that in addition to Garrett testing positive, COVID's also affecting the Eagles. They placed three wide receivers on the reserve COVID-19 list on Thursday. No standout receivers, but this could affect their depth, and I've had a tough time getting a read on the Eagles, so I'm going to put them in the drawer, as David Malinsky would say, and stay away from their games until further notice. Up next, Atlanta at New Orleans, Saints laying three and a half, total of 50, and it seemed like the Miles Garrett news was going to be the biggest bombshell of the morning until it was announced 
Taysom Hill starting at quarterback for the Saints on Sunday. The assumption all week, and I think it was a reasonable one, was that Jameis Winston would be under center for New Orleans. So we did have Suma saying his best bet on the Matchbook podcast was the over in this game. Drew agreed. I think we can throw that out the window without Jameis Winston playing. Adam Turnoff on the Simple Handicap also said he liked the Saints. I think we can throw that bet out the window with the move from Winston to Hill. We did have five likes on the Falcons, and I think that gets fortified by this news. Those likes came from Drew on the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts, as well as TA. And then some consensus on the Dream Preview, Fezzik, RJ, and Dave Esler. Fezzik and Esler making the Falcons their best bet. One caveat here, the likes on the Falcons came at plus four and plus five, but I still do see some value on them at the current number for a reduced amount. Looking at Drew's handicap, he said this week would mark the biggest downgrade for the Saints quarterback change because they'd need some time to assimilate without Breeze. TA shared the sentiment, and that's one of many points that both Drew and TA brought up in their handicaps. This point did come up when the thought was Winston would be starting for the Saints. I think the assimilation period is even more important when we look at the switch to Taysom Hill. Also want to credit Drew and TA for saying to expect more Hill than usual this week without Breeze. That would be good for Falcons backers. They said this when everybody thought Winston would be starting, and now we're certainly going to see a lot more Hill than usual since he's going to get the start for the Saints. On the other side of the ball, Drew notes the Falcons should get Calvin Ridley back at wide receiver, and their offense has shown good recent form. Another point TA echoed as well. And a key factor for Drew, he thinks the look ahead of minus 7 was too high. He thought that should have been minus 5. So he was in line with the market, making Winston a 2-point downgrade from Breeze. He thought with Winston, this line should be about minus 3. Certainly got to think he'd make it less than a field goal with Hill under center. Continuing on with TA's handicap, he liked the Falcons down to minus 3.5 when the thought was it would be Winston at quarterback. Gotta think he likes it down to at least 3 with Hill. TA also said the Saints were very fortunate to cover against the 49ers last week. More on that later. And TA also notes the Saints have a great rush defense, and that could force the Falcons to actually be more optimal and pass more. Esler shared that point as well. Looking at Fezzik's breakdown, he said the Falcons are a misleading 3-6. and six. They've had some bad outcomes in close games. Esler supported this point, noting Atlanta only has a minus 8 point differential for the season. And Fezzik said in his power ratings, New Orleans was only 1.5 points better with Winston. Gotta think that's an even smaller gap if there's any gap left with Taysom Hill playing quarterback for the Saints. RJ said that the Falcons have been much better under interim head coach Raheem Morris. They're number 6 in EPA if we exclude garbage time, and he defined that as neither team having a win probability greater than 90%. When it comes to Esler's handicap, he didn't think the market downgraded the Saints enough going from Breeze to Winston, and got to think Taysom Hill even more of a downgrade. And I'll note... When arguably the most efficient betting market in the world reacts as swiftly and firmly as it did against Sean Payton's decision to start Taysom Hill, that's a good indication that Payton probably made a bad decision there. We do get the element of surprise, but I doubt it's enough to account for the gap in talent going from Winston to Hill. So I immediately grabbed Atlanta plus 4 and Moneyline plus 170 when the news broke. I would still play it at plus 3.5 for a slightly reduced amount. Next game on the board, New England at Houston. Patriots laying two, total of 49. We had one like on the Texans against the spread. That came from Fezzik. One like on the Patriots against the spread. That came from RJ. So there was a crossfire on the Dream Preview. We also had one like on Houston as a teaser candidate. That came from Fezzik on the Even Money podcast. Looking at the crossfire on the Dream Preview, Fezzik said he likes Houston because there's some recency bias in play related to the weather last weekend. Houston was in a win game at Cleveland, their scoring output was suppressed, and New England played in a monsoon hosting the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. The Ravens had two bad snaps that killed drives, so he thinks there could be some value on the Texans in this one under the dome at home in Houston. RJ rejected that handicap. He said the Texans covered last week. More on that cover later. And there are also messy conditions in New England that shouldn't have hurt the Ravens disproportionately. 
He's also wary of betting against Bill Belichick. Fezzik's Even Money podcast mention of a teaser with the Texans paired them with the Chargers at minus 2.5. He got a good number on both legs, initially taking the Saints up to 8.5. The Chargers are now out of teaser territory, but I do think Houston's still a good fit for teasers, crossing up through the 3-7 and seven to plus 8. Up next, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville, Steelers laying 10.5, total of 46. One lake on the Jaguars, that was TA. One lake on the Steelers, that was RJ. TA also likes the under. TA said he liked the Jaguars at plus 10 and the under at 46.5. We've seen a half point move against him on the side and in favor of his total bet. And TA's handicap mainly boiled down to anti-Steelers trends and narratives. On the Jaguars side of things, he said this is a flat spot for the Steelers, also a look ahead spot before they play the Ravens on Thanksgiving. And when it comes to the under, he talked about Big Ben on the road not performing well historically. RJ taking the Steelers, laying the 10 points. The lines moved a tick in his favor. He said the Steelers are aware of the talk about the flat spot and they won't be apathetic. I think this might kind of be a narrative within a narrative when it comes to that point, but I do lend some credence to RJ's point that from a power rating standpoint, Pittsburgh should be favored by closer to two touchdowns. I'll also note this could be the week we finally approach more shallow waters in survivor pools. We only have two teams currently on the board favored by more than a touchdown, one of them being the Steelers. And I think the narratives are overdone about them being on the road or in a flat spot or a look-ahead spot, but I don't have an argument that this is a good spot for them. And the other team favored by more than a touchdown, the Chargers. As long as Anthony Lynn's on their sidelines, I doubt they'll be dethroned as the kings of finding ways to lose. Next game on the board, Tennessee at Baltimore, Ravens laying 5, total 49.5, and and we had three likes on the Titans, Drew and Andy on the deep dive, as well as Fezzik on the dream preview, but in the theme of the week, gotta caveat these likes, they all came at plus 6.5 for the Titans, at plus 5 we're talking about a different story. I will still share the handicaps for what it's worth, Drew said that the Ravens' rush defense is compromised due to recent injuries, highlighted by the loss of Calais Campbell up front, and for the Titans, the rush offense, a big strength, that creates a very favorable matchup for the underdog in this one. Fezzik shared this sentiment, and Andy also brought up the point the Titans are on extra rest coming off Thursday Night Football last week, meanwhile the Ravens on a slightly short week having played the Patriots last Sunday night. Moving on to the late window on Sunday, Miami at Denver, Dolphins laying 3.5, total of 45. We had two likes on the under, Drew on the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts, as well as Fezzik. Drew likes the under down to 44.5. He said the Denver offense could be limited with Drew Locke just being bad lately. He'll be banged up if he can go in this one. And if Locke can't play, Brett Rippon not posing much of a threat to the under if he goes under center. Either way, the Broncos will be going up against a good Dolphins defense, and on the other side of the ball, Drew notes there's some unknowns with this being Tua's first start on the road at elevation. Fezzik also notes Miami's had five fluke touchdowns in their three games with Tua, three defensive and special teams touchdowns, plus a couple of one-yard touchdown drives set up by the defense and special teams. That's led to some misleading scoring output. Drew also touched on this point, but Fezzik really hammered at home. And I'll add, the Dolphins have also had some fluky scores from their offense if we look at last week's win over the Chargers. In the first half, Chargers linebacker Denzel Perryman dropped an easy interception. The Dolphins kept the ball and ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. And in the second half, another Chargers linebacker, Kyle Wilson, had the ball go right between his hands. That pass went for a 19-yard completion into the red zone. The Dolphins got a field goal. So in all three phases of the game, we've seen some unsustainable luck inflating scoring output for the Dolphins. Think that's likely to come to an end in the Mile High City on Sunday.
Next game on the board, the Jets at the Chargers. Chargers laying 9.5 or 10, total of 46. And RJ said he likes the Jets on the money line in the range of about plus 360. His first point, kind of narrative-driven, winless team off a bye. You're looking at max motivation, probably the best chance for the Jets to steal a win. I'm not sure I put too much stock into that, but I do like his second point better. If this game happens to be close late, it's not a bad thing to be in play against Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. Next game on the board, Green Bay at Indianapolis, Colts laying one and a half, total of 51. Two likes on the Packers' money line at plus money, Drew and Suma on the Matchbook podcast, this was Drew's best bet. One like on the Packers against the spread, that came from RJ as his best bet on the Dream Preview, and two likes on the Packers as a teaser candidate, Andy and Fezzik. Looking at Drew's breakdown, he said Aaron Rodgers has been spectacular in good conditions, Andy echoed this point. Drew also said the Colts play a soft zone, that presents a favorable matchup to the Packers' offense. Suma brought up this point as well, and wrapping up Drew's handicap, the Colts have good stats defensively, but that's come against weak opposition. The Packers marking a big step up in class, that was part of RJ's handicap as well. Looking more at Suma's breakdown, a lot of it comes down to the Packers having a close win if we look at the scoreboard last week against Jacksonville, but he says that's misleading and presents some value on the Packers this week. Suma notes the Packers offense had brutal results on third down, they should see some positive regression in that department, and the wind also affected Aaron Rodgers' passing, that kept the scoring in check, the conditions not going to be a problem in the Dome in Indianapolis. Drew and Andy also noted it was a closer game than it should have been because the Jaguars returned a punt for a touchdown, and wrapping up Suma's handicap, looking ahead to this week, Packers getting some key cogs back on both sides of the ball. RJ also notes the look-ahead line here was Packers minus 2.5 even after the Colts' impressive win on Thursday Night Football, so he thinks the Packers should still be favored. RJ also isolated the Packers' team total over about 25 is a number he really likes. I want to note Devontae Adams didn't practice Thursday. His status is worth monitoring. If he can't go or if he's limited on Sunday, that could put a damper on the Packers' odds to win outright, but I agree with Andy and Fezzik's angle, looking to put Green Bay in pocket as a teaser leg. Up next, Dallas at Minnesota. Vikings laying a touchdown, total of 48. TA said he liked Dallas. He got that at plus 9, but he still seemed to like it at plus 7 when the Sharp Angles podcast recorded. He said the Vikings' defense... Poor pass rush and a beatable secondary. Not a good matchup against a Cowboys offensive line that's getting healthier. Plus, Dallas has a lot of weapons at the skill positions. TA also noted the Cowboys come into this one with a major rest advantage. They're off their bye, and it's a short week for the Vikings off a road game on Monday Night Football. Fezzik on the Even Money podcast said that he'll be teasing the Vikings down to 2.5, pairing them with the Packers plus 8.5. That's a good number with Green Bay, but with the Vikings down to a flat minus 7, they present less appeal in a teaser. All right, and with Chiefs Raiders off the board on Sunday night, we're going to skip ahead to Monday night football, the Rams at Tampa Bay. Bucks laying four, total of 48 or 48 and a half. Two likes on the Bucks, Adam and Drew. One more caveat, Drew liked the Bucks at minus three and a half, so that may still be okay at minus four for a reduced amount. We also had one like on the under, that was RJ on the Dream Preview. 48 seemed to be okay if 48 and a half wasn't available. Adam said he likes the Bucks primarily because Jared Goff is the 36th graded passer under pressure this season, and Tampa Bay, number two defense in terms of pressure rate, and the most blitz-heavy team in the league. Adam added the Rams will be without their best offensive lineman and left tackle Andrew Whitworth. Drew brought up this point as well. RJ also touched on it in his handicap for the under, and Drew further supported Adam's point here, noting Goff has a short average depth of target that plays right into the hands of the aggressive Tampa Bay defense. On the other side of the ball, Adam noted the Bucks use the sixth highest rate of heavy personnel sets with at least two tight ends on the field, and that's a weakness for the Rams on defense. 
Drew also said he likes the Bucks because the offensive line is in line to get star guard Ali Marpet back. He was expected to return last week, looking much more likely to play this Sunday, and that could be a big boost to contain Aaron Donald up front. Meanwhile, the Bucks also have a plethora of weapons in the passing game, and that means they can work away from Jalen Ramsey. And RJ's take on the under largely boiled down to this game having two elite defenses based on the numbers. One final note here, if you listen to the Even Money podcast and the Dream Preview, you may have noticed Fezzik said he liked over 47.5 on Even Money, and then agreed with RJ on the under 48 on the Dream Preview, so that's obviously contradictory, and I don't think we need to factor either of those likes from Fezzik into the equation. Alright, and with that, we've made it through the Week 11 board. You know what that means, it's time for a beer break. Let's get into what we're drinking. Full disclosure, I'm currently on a beer break to clean things up a bit before getting back into it over the Thanksgiving weekend that's just around the corner, so temporarily beer might be dead to me, but there's one appropriate recommendation I can make, West Coast IPA is dead. As the name would imply, this is a West Coast IPA. It's made by my favorite brewery, Green Cheek Beer Company in Orange, California, and West Coast IPA is Dead comes in at 7.2% ABV. The appearance, clear golden yellow with a fluffy white head. I'll post a photo on Instagram, at Props and Hops. And the aroma and flavor of West Coast IPA is Dead is really where the hops shine. It's citrusy, tropical, little resinous, and that gives way to some bitterness. It's got a crisp, light mouthfeel. Overall, West Coast IPA is Dead, flavorful, clean, and balanced. It's a first-class take on a classic style, and it's a comforting example of a style that's fortunately alive and well. Hopefully our bets will be alive and well throughout Sunday. Let's get into the Week 11 portfolio and break down what we're betting. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. And yes, there is gambling going on in here, and while we're at it, wanted to share three friendly reminders. Number one, shop for the best lines. Last week on Props and Hops, I shared six bets. If you followed along, you could have gone anywhere from two, three, and one to one and five. Now, that's not profitable regardless, but losing weeks will happen, and losing less on those losing weeks, vital to sustaining bankroll in the long run. When I recorded last Friday, the Browns could have been had for minus three or minus three and a half. The number closed at minus four and a half, so we got some good closing line value, but the game landed on three, so that could have been the difference between a push and a loss. Also, the Chargers is a teaser leg on last week's show could have been taken up to plus seven and a half or as high as plus eight and a half that game landed eight we're working with some razor thin margins here getting the best of the number absolutely crucial and on that note with razor thin margins we should manage our bankrolls carefully i'm reminded of david malinsky's exercise how much would you have bet if If I knew that I could get San Francisco plus 10 and they'd win the yards per play battle, they'd go up 10-0 in the first half, and Drew Brees wouldn't take the field in the second half, that probably would have been my biggest bet of the year. But that reinforces the importance of Dave's 4-5-6 betting scale. Wagering amounts should vary by sport and by bet type, but by using a multiple of 5 as the baseline, this scale establishes that any bet worth making should be worth at least 80% of that baseline, and no wedge is big enough to go beyond an extra 20% on top of that baseline. And that leads into the third friendly reminder, accept the vagaries. Following up on that San Francisco game from last weekend, the 49ers turned the ball over four times. That included two fumbled punts that set up the Saints with a short field. The Saints scored touchdowns both times. And the 49ers also threw two interceptions in field goal range, including one in the end zone. Circling back on the Browns game from last week, Nick Chubb had a clear path to the end zone to put the Browns up by two scores with less than a minute left. He decided to step out at the one. That might have been the smart move, but to go up by two scores with less than a minute left, not a big risk to just go ahead and score the touchdown anyway. That was a tough pill to swallow watching it unfold in real time. 
And also last week, we had the Broncos and Raiders going over 50 and a half. That game landed on 49. There were a ton of drops. And right before halftime, Drew Locke rushed for a touchdown. That got nullified by a penalty. And on the next play, Locke threw an interception from the Raiders 10. That was a big swing for the total. Even a chip shot field goal would have gotten the job done. So that hurt to lose that over for Broncos Raiders last week. And I didn't bet Buffalo, Arizona. But if you have the Bills plus two or the money line or the under in that game and didn't win because of the Hopkins Hail Mary catch, you now know the feeling of the occupational privilege tax at its highest. And then to kick off week 11, last night in the Cardinals-Seahawks game looked like a great setting for the shortest touchdown to go under one and a half yards. It was the highest total on the board, so you better believe I had that prop bet in pocket. Turns out we saw two two-yard touchdowns, two more touchdowns from inside the five, but nothing got home from the one, so it didn't work out in this case. I do still think this prop shows value as long as it's mispriced by a lot of the bookmakers out there. Overall, it's okay to root for our bets, and it's human to get frustrated when things don't work out, but I think it's important to move on when things go awry and use these experiences to learn and toughen up. It's easier to remember our bad breaks, but let's also try to remember the good breaks. So to take the point home, if we can do our best to watch and learn with objectivity and clarity, that's going to be much better than frustration and playing the victim card for our long-term portfolios. And by the way, if you're interested in a free roll on the vagaries we see across the NFL slate every Sunday, check out the NFL Week 11 Sweet 6 contest on Dimers.com. It's free to enter, just go to freetoplay.dimers.com, correctly answer six questions, and you'll be the winner of $1,000. There's some multiple choice questions, plus one option to pick an outright winner, and one option to pick an over-under, and really there's nothing to lose. So check out freetoplay.dimers.com, and make sure you enter that NFL Week 11 Sweet 6 contest. After all, if you get it right and walk away with that $1,000 prize, that cash could effectively mean you'll be drinking free beers for years, and it doesn't get much better than that. Alright, so I think we've established a good tone here, shop for the best lines, manage the bankroll carefully, accept the vagaries, and with these things in mind, let's find some edges on the board and build out that week 11 portfolio. One side in pocket this week, Falcons plus three and a half at the Saints. New Orleans dealing with a double downgrade at quarterback at this point, first going from Breeze to Winston, and now Sean Payton deciding to go from Winston to Hill. Also the Falcons playing better than their three and six record would indicate. One total in the portfolio, Miami, Denver, under 45. The Broncos offense has been inept outside of garbage time, and they'll be going up against a good Dolphins defense. And meanwhile, Miami's been getting lucky in all three phases of the game to inflate their scoring output. That trend, simply unsustainable. Also looking at a teaser this week, Houston plus 8 versus the Patriots, Packers plus 7.5 at the Colts. In both cases, we're crossing up through those key numbers of 3-7, and seven. and in the first leg, Houston was favored in the look-ahead line. I think we're seeing an overreaction to a legitimately good showing by the Patriots last Sunday night, and in the second leg, the Packers have a good matchup here for Aaron Rodgers, and I think they're getting undervalued a bit coming off a close win last week against a bad opponent, but in bad conditions. Also, one prop in pocket this week, Packers-Colts shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. This game has the highest total that's left on the Week 11 board. I think it also gives us the best matchup to see this bet get home. By now, you know the math. More points, good for more touchdowns, which is good for the odds of some one-yard touchdowns. And from a matchup perspective, the Packers have a strong run game, and Rodgers has shown an uncanny this season for one-yard touchdown passes, and on the Colts side of things. Following up on a point I made last week, Frank Reich has made optimal fourth down decisions consistently this season. That means Colts drives are less likely to end in punts or chip shot field goals when they should be more aggressive, and that aggression for the Colts makes it more likely that they'll be able to punch it in from the one. I make this prop good up to minus 170. 
So rapid fire recap, Falcons plus three and a half, Dolphins Broncos under 45, Texans plus eight and a teaser with the Packers plus seven and a half, and one prop bet, Packers Colts shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. Last but not least, the Malinsky Minute, and this week we might want to call it the Chernoff Minute because Adam had some really wise words at the top of his Monday episode of The Simple Handicap. He said, quote, If you can find a day to throw everything away and go back to being a kid again with your friends or family, just make sure you try to do it. End quote. And for some context here, Adam's process speaks for itself, but he's having a tough season betting on football, so this past weekend he was able to reconnect with some friends. He said it was a mental reset and it was so worth it. Now I know things are different this holiday season, gatherings are going to be limited, we need to be smart about things, but it may be more important than ever to connect with the people we care about however we can do that. I love Adam's point about throwing everything away and disconnecting from the daily grind, and whatever that looks like, it could be getting out into nature, diving into a book, some movies, beer, all of the above and more. If we can just take some time to throw everything away for a little while and go back to being a kid again with the people who matter most, however we can do that, however that works best for each of us the best bet on this show we won't regret it all right and that'll do it for this week's episode of props and hops thank you so much for listening if you found any value in this episode please share it with a friend who could benefit as well one quick programming note with thanksgiving next week i'm planning to drop the week 12 episode on wednesday afternoon or evening pacific time as soon as i'm able to listen to the podcasts that inform this show i'll post a link on twitter at mlandis18 when the episode's live and I'd also encourage you to join Dimers.com's new Facebook group, and you can keep an eye out for the show link there. You can join the group at facebook.com groups slash Dimers.com. I'll drop that link in the show notes for easy reference. And this is a secure place to talk openly about sports betting, share picks, and channeling Adam Chernoff's words, just have some fun. And on that note, let's get out there and have some fun watching Week 11 in the NFL. We'll be back at it a little early next week to break down Week 12. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. Mm-hmm.